Oscar Poker. Okay, well, anyway, here it is. We're, this is uh, Jeffrey Wells, and I'm speaking with Sasha Stone and, uh, of course, Phil Contrino of BoxOffice.com, and we're starting a little bit late, but this is Oscar Poker number six, mm-hmm. and uh, I just got back from Washington, uh, uh, D.C. on a mega bus. Uh, uh, I was down there at the, uh, uh, at the Sanity Rally, called it the Rally for Sanity or, mm-hmm. and or Fear. Uh, um, certain people don't get uh, ironic uh, uh, terms like fear in quotes, which is you know Colbert is all about quotes, right. and uh, and it's all about irony. And um, I think that there's like 20% of the people out there when they hear words, they actually receive them and understand them and process them as words meant with some sincerity. <laughs> but, but today you have to kind of like go now. Is that a put on? Is that like in quotes? Is that is that, are they acting? Is this not real? You know, right. you're saying that all the time these, these days. Yeah. So, anyway, as I explained in the column, it it was very pleasant, and it was one of the nicest times I've had down there, um, uh, as, as far as any kind of organized political thing. And it was it was it was quite quite nice. It was almost like a contact tie. It was like it's like smoking smoking really good pot. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was nice. I really liked uh, being there. Yeah. I felt glad that I was part of this group. I felt proud of myself. I felt good about everything. That's, so that's great. It was very nice. And I and I didn't even hear Stuart's uh, uh, remarks uh, because I basically, because I did it for about five, five and a half hours of standing. And I have my two computers, not one, two computers in my leather bag. And I'm standing there in the, not the VIP section, where Ariane Huffington and on other people who had press credentials they didn't give me press credentials because I applied too late, and they didn't want to forget it. That was right, it. Right. I, I, I literally asked uh, Ariana herself if she knew of some way I could I could plead and get in the side door because I wanted to be in the front, you know, and like take good videos and everything. But I just gave up after a while. So I, mm-hmm. I was in the the second tier uh, uh, reserved area for the uh, called you know special invited guests. So, but it was fine. And uh, and and if you were in the in the in the big, uh, you know, kind of as I alluded to it, it was like being in the Kansas City stockyards, way 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 back. I mean, it was like really crowded, um, and nobody could use cell phones. Nobody could text. Nobody could email. Nothing because the uh, you know we're talking uh, what. Couple hundred thousand people, mm. and probably what seventy-five percent of them had cell phones. It, it, all the all the systems crashed. Everything was right. you know it was like it was like being in Washington in nineteen seventy-five. There are no cell phones, right. so you know. So on for some more now that, good now news. That many people who who have been listening are dozing off with their eyelids <laughs> half half staff. Uh, perhaps we could start off, uh, Phil, as we usually do in our in our now, uh, you know, getting getting along in, in years or, or weeks, I should say, uh, 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 podcast. Let's talk about the um, the vital, thrilling, and essential uh, <laughs> film that uh, topped the box office this week, and just go over it briefly because yeah, come on, this is reality. This is what happened. People went to see uh, saw. 
scream, you know, blood, uh, uh, you know, aorta valve, purple blood all over the place, uh, uh, number five, right? Um, mm. Can you tell us what, what happened? Yeah, sure. It, uh, it debuted to 24.2 million, and paranormal activity fell to 16.5 million. And, what you know, was the percentage drop on paranormal? Uh, 59%, which is uh, not too good. I mean, not no. too good. Yeah, you know, horror films tend to fall hard fast, but um, this is this was a bigger drop just because obviously there's a huge amount of audience overlap here. Both of these movies are you right. know gunning for the same people, so mm. you know if Paranormal Activity two wasn't around, I think Saw could have potentially did you know thirty million, and you know if Saw three D wasn't around, Paranormal Activity would have held up better. Right. Um, so that's you know that's the reality of the situation. Uh, elsewhere, um, hereafter. Fell forty-seven percent, mm. not good at all, good. especially for a movie that's obviously skewing older. Uh -huh. So that's kind of you know dead in the water in terms of uh, you know mainstream approval goes. Uh -huh. Secretariat's hanging in there though. I mean, if it only fell twenty-eight percent, it's in its fourth week. Hmm. Um, it's already up to about forty-five million. So, like I said, I, I knew early on that that was going to have legs and really hang around and. That's what's you know. Why do you think? Can I just say? Why do you think it has legs? I mean, I I and liked enough of it, so I certainly didn't feel badly. But what do you think's happening? Why do people? Um, they're just are they like me? They just love the 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 last race and and so, you know we all love that. Is that what's going on? Just well, yeah, that and it it didn't turn into. See, originally I thought it had a shot at being you know a uh, a real take the family to go see it movie, but it didn't really pull that off it kind of became something that skewed a little older so it's a situation where people just didn't feel the need to rush out to see it opening weekend they're catching it you know whenever they mm -hmm. they have the time there's no urgency to to see it so yeah it'll, it'll hang around for a couple more weeks and you'll see you know consistently you know solid drop-offs and and it'll be healthy for a while isn't it isn't um, it also the kind of thing where it's the only only film that they can go see that is safe for the whole family and so if they go to the the movies at all what what are they going to see you know secretariat's the only one that that would appeal across the board the yeah. rest of them are you know just mm. too horrible probably uh, I don't know. I mean, Jackass 3D was a feel-good family movie of the year. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you're you're dead on. I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's the only uh, yeah, it, it, it is. It's a safe bet. It is. You know, that's that's. Yeah. It. Could I just do There's something? There's nothing that can offend you in that movie. Right. Exactly. You know I mean? Yeah. No matter what you know. you know political bent you are, or you know, it's. I never um, um, uh, excerpted uh, this hilarious uh, New York Times review of Saw 3D. <laughs> by Mike Hale, yeah. uh, and he basically said that the uh, uh, the people behind the Saw movies have made us a promise: no more Saw movies <laughs> before they pack up the bear traps and latex flesh. However, they've left us with a digestif <laughs> Saw 3D, the seventh and presumably last film in the series. <clears throat> the Saw franchise has always produced meretricious garbage with a claim to moral complexity that serves as a fig leaf while we enjoy the sight of limbs being hacked off and heads exploding. Oh, <laughs> God. The one, I love this. The one Dada, a distinctive thing about the films has been their Dadaist quality, brought about by a concentration on elaborate self-referential game-playing at the expense of story and logic. Mm -hmm. I just love that these things, they just are, um, there's, a, there's a 
really, really significant, obviously faithful uh, audience. They just are not going to let these things go. Mm-hmm. And, the, and what they say here is basically that these, the, you know, the, the point of these things is everybody laughs. Everybody has a good time. It's not like, oh, wow, this is creepy. Oh, no, somebody's head just got chopped. It's, it's a goof. It's, a, it, it's, it's clapping and goofing on it. Totally. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, the first one made its reputation on being something totally opposite. That was, you know, the reason it spawned all these sequels was because it was new and exciting and still scary. And you're right, now it's a, you know, it's a joke. Everybody goes there and laughs at it and, mm-hmm. you know, it's torture porn. Right. Um, but yeah, this is, you know, most likely, you know, I don't think they're going to go back on their word and, and do an eighth installment. I think this is the end because, <laughs> um, you know, Halloween kind of, you know, it belongs to paranormal activity now. You know what I mean? I, you know, there's going to obviously be a third one. They've they've set it up, and you know, you know, not to get into spoiler territory, but they have plenty of room there to to keep those movies going for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, based on the characters they have going in it. Um, so yeah, you know, it's the saw is you know gently stepping aside, and Lionsgate you know definitely made their money off it. You know, yeah. they can't complain. There might be a a future in straight to DVD you know, spinoffs or whatever, but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the end of, I think, you know, theatrical releases in that series. Um, if I were in this business, I would, um, I would not want to be ending it. I would figure some way to come up with a new thing. If I were, you know, in other words, depending upon paying my employees and I had a company and, and needed that steady income of, of torture porn, uh, I, I would uh, not hesitate for a second. I'd want to stay in that until all signs told me <laughs> that it's over and I have to quit it entirely. I would keep it going as would wouldn't you guys? I mean, you know, it's this is just I mean, it uh, you have to kind of divorce yourself from what you're doing to the culture and the poison and the and the vulgarity <laughs> and the ugliness. You have to just do it because that's what capitalism is, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, from a financial standpoint, it still obviously right. makes sense. I mean, it made, you know, 24.2. It'll probably drop like 60% next weekend, but it's still going to end up with maybe like 40 40 million in the bank, maybe somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Um, really? Well, that's 42. it? Yeah. That's the total oh, thing? Yeah, it, it'll have a tough time getting to a, a two multiplier with something like this because it's a Halloween you know, gimmick thing and Halloween's yeah. over now. So, right. you know, who wants to see Saw in a couple weeks? Right. Yeah, um, yeah that's... so that's, that's where it mm. stands. Um, um, how, right. how about well, the, uh, the other two, the two Oscar movies that are in the, in the, on the, in the box office top 10 right now are The Town and The Social Network. So can you give us an update on those, how they're doing? Sure. Yeah, Social Network fell 35%, which, you know, in its fifth week is still pretty damn healthy. It's uh, right around $80 million right now. Um, it lost, you know, 154 locations this weekend, and it'll lose more next weekend. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, it's word of mouth is still strong on it, but what's going to cripple it is just simply the fact that it's going to lose theaters. Um, yeah, it's right. also when you go when you go to see if I if I had not seen it and I went to see it now, I think that really <clears throat> with any film that is good, it always is is important to see it with a a live reactive audience hmm. uh, of some size, you know, because it's part of the thing. If you, if people they don't even have to be uh, like laughing or 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 anything, you can just feel the the current amongst a, a good a live audience when a film is is playing, so, and it really does add to it. Even if uh, you know, and and I know that when you go to the now, what you're saying is, is it's playing in the lesser theaters, and and there's not as much of an audience as there could be, and it mm-hmm. just doesn't. There's not that interactivity. People are not, you know, responding to it even even silently. There's just this kind of like, well, I guess we're 
seeing it because we finally got around to it after the sixth or seventh week. You know, it's just <laughs> yeah. it's it's not uh, it's not the same thing as seeing it. You know, at a screening as where where you saw it earlier, we all saw it earlier. It just mm-hmm. it makes a difference. So yeah, no, absolutely. I I agree with you on one hundred percent. I mean, I learned nothing from going to press screenings. I mean, I see most things, you know, with an actual audience and right. and learn, okay, get kind of an idea of, all right, what's, you know, playing well and what's not. Because, you know, you, press screenings, it's very quiet, reserved. You know, you don't get those strong visceral reactions necessarily that you do from somebody who, you know, plunked down their, their money to go see it. So, yeah, sure. 100% on the same page. Right. Um, so then, yeah, the other thing, the town only fell 29%. This thing is hanging on like I a I know. Chance. What is up I mean, with that, it's... Phil? Can you believe it? I, I just, I'm stunned by <laughs> yeah. that. You know? Well, I'm, look, Jeff's going to yell at me here, but I'm a huge fan of it. I thought it was I, a great me piece too. of entertainment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah like, so... Yeah, I'm not surprised at all that it's hanging on. And and Jeff, you wrote about it too. You know, the word of mouth, it's it's that kind of movie that people mm-hmm. say, Yeah, I went to go see the town last weekend. It was mm-hmm. really good, good action scenes. You know, they sum right. it up in two or three sentences and, and they get their endorsement there. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, um it's not gonna hit a hundred million though, because it's really you know, it's it's fading fast. It's oh, you don't think so? I, I, right now. Oh, no, I, no. I keep thinking it's gonna hit a yeah. hundred million and then become a real phenomenon and then be nominated for best picture. <laughs> But not, which is the only way I think it gets in, although it does have, you know, this movie's selling itself. You know, it doesn't have a lot of publicity. Um, the studio's not really pushing it that hard for for Oscars, um, but it it just keeps making money. I want to be. I want. I would love to part, participate in a, in a in a town forum where, say, uh, a semicircle of like three or four town fans, including yourself, Sasha, uh, <laughs> talking about it. And then, like maybe two or three, uh, you know, crabby people like myself who, you know, <laughs> like it as far as it, it's a, you know, as far as it goes. I like those, those, um, you know, bank robbing scenes. I love that chase in in, in the old old part of Boston. Um, you know, Ben Affleck is a appealing guy. I mean, you know, it's a, a lot of the elements are are pretty good. I I was not right. like shifting in my seat, but I I'd, I'd love to really ch- chew it over with with the fans and and uh, and maybe we could do that next week or something. Get a get a big town fan have a and devote the entire podcast <laughs> to the to the pro- problems with the town, you know, why we love it, why we're not even listening to sour, sour pusses like Jeffrey Will. But it's it's a uh, it's a real problem. It doesn't I don't really believe it, you know. I don't believe that that a guy like Ben Affleck gets to go off to Florida at the end, and you know maybe she's going to join him or something. Who knows? You know, it's just, it's it's got all these stuff that I don't. I just don't believe it, and I, I'm not going to these things, to these films with an attitude like, all right, I'm going to find some way to just like right. I want to have a good time with this thing, and uh, it didn't let me. So I'll tell you, you know. something that I noticed about it in terms of our culture now is that times are so tough. People, you know, almost every people are losing their homes, losing their jobs. Everybody's broke and in debt. And it's funny to me that it, it in this time we have a, a, a bank robber as the hero, you know, getting away with mm-hmm. the cash. You know, I think there's a part of kind of the collective that responds to that. It's sort of the outlaw uh, coming back, which, you know, we haven't really had a lot of outlaw heroes lately in the movies, you know. Oh, so, that's the most intelligent thing I've heard about the, this, uh, about the appeal of this thing, because that, that, that connects somehow. And on some level, mm-hmm. they see Ben Affleck as, as, as Clyde Barrow, you're saying. Yeah, I and think the, so. That's a really interesting thing. I had not thought of that. I that's mean, good. It, yeah. it like touches a sweet spot in a way of whatever people are going through. Maybe yeah. that's part of it, you know. Mm. That's good. Have mm-hmm. you written that? 
Have you no, I just thought of it just now as we're oh. talking. Okay. <laughs> That's not bad at all. That really isn't. That little button in me just went off when I heard that. So. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, what's happening next week, Phil? What are we looking forward to box office-wise? What is going to um, um, uh, get us uh, all, all cranked up next week and the week after? What, what are we looking at? Next? Well, it's, it's going to be a very healthy week. Uh, Megamind and Due Date are both going to be huge. We're, we're now thinking it's going to be a little bit closer between uh, Megamind and Due Date because Due Date, it just all the online signs and, and the reactions to it, you know, this is it's going to be a huge movie and mm. Megamind is, you know, it's a, it's a little iffy. I think, you know, the sci-fi uh, genre doesn't play as well to family audiences. Um, look at Monsters vs. Aliens. That right. by no means was as big a hit as How to Train Your Dragon. So, mm. you know, but the star cast, you know, people are going to show up and it's going to make a ton of cash. Um, and then for Colored Girls, uh, we're picking up good vibes, from, you know, from that as well. We're right now at about a 22 million opening Really? That. Wow. You know, which is, yeah, which is, yeah, that's about, you know, par for, um, you know, uh, Tyler Perry's movies. You're so. talking his, uh, his, his fans that are going to come or, uh, or do you, do you know how it breaks down demographically when you talk about good news on his film? Yeah, well, no, you're going to get, see, what I think is going to happen with this is you're going to get the, the hardcore fan base is going to come out that first weekend and, and that's a guaranteed and maybe a, a you know, a, a decent, uh, smattering or whatever of you know other fans that might be new to Tyler Perry but I think this is a movie that is going to hold on his movies tend to be very front loaded they they open big and then they fall off fast because the, the fans come out and then they you know don't go for repeated viewings or whatever right. but this is one that I could see um, really hanging on and, and more people discovering it because um, I think once people get past I think it, it can really appeal just to women in general they want they once you overlook the race thing and everything like that it's just a story about women and i think that can really help it you know catch on with a with a bigger audience and and do better than uh you know a lot of his other films do i agree so. with you i think it's really going to do well not that i know anything about box office but um i think it's going to become like a community dis- uh, you know not just because of oprah oprah's going to have tyler perry back on her show with the whole cast talking about the film but it's going to be kind of like precious. I think it's going to end up being critic proof because what it's talking about and what it's revealing and who it's starring um, are all, you know, very appealing to women generally. I don't think they're going to go see it because, you know, the New York Times called it, you know, a great film. That That's just not going to matter. Mm-hmm. They're going to go see it anyway and then talk about it to their friends and, you know. So I think it, it will be one of the big hits of, of this season, as if I know what I'm talking about, but... <laughs> well, yeah, and don't forget Whoopi Goldberg, you know, pushing it on The View. That's right. huge. I mean, that reaches, you know, every, mm. you know, all women of all races, ages, whatever, you know, watch that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you combine Oprah with The View and that's a that's a deadly combination right there. That'll get people in the seats right. for sure. And the so. issues with uh, color girls that have been um, uh, occurring to people, uh, you know, in the, in, the, in the critic community are just, that's just not going to kick in is what, you guys are saying, right? Oh yeah, not gonna matter. Yeah. I don't nope. think so. Not in the least. I don't think. Yeah, like so. The fact that it apparently is not a good movie—that's not gonna matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Yep. I just yeah. thought somebody should say that before we move on to something else. I mean, I'm, just, I'm just mentioning it, you know, innocently, you know, not intending to start anything. I just—that's what I hear. I don't. I haven't even seen it, uh, so I shouldn't really talk. But the, that's certainly the current. 
Okay. So that so that's I guess we'll we'll shut off on box office now. But let's let's uh, definitely hook up next uh, you know next week and do the and and review the uh, the state of things uh, again. So. Okay. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Always a pleasure, guys. Thanks again for having me. Okay, Phil. Right. Bye. Bye. Thanks a lot, man. Great. So, so we're gonna we have decided to just briefly get into. Um, the unfair uh, um, wins, the the wins that by the by the um, by in the perspective of history uh, seem very strange. Um, um, why did they choose this? Uh, you know, okay, pretty good film as best picture, and ignoring uh, the 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 merits, and for whatever reason, not going with the, what we now consider to be the much better. Uh, which you know, just a like you know, there's there's several of them that you wrote to me, and um, the, the going from back uh, the back of the list to the you know is basically why did they choose Crash instead of Brokeback Mountain? Mm-hmm. Uh, why did they why did the Academy um, choose Chicago rather than uh, the Pianist? Which um, no no question at all that, that that's a superior film. I mean, there's no right. question about it. Uh, why did they go with, um, you know, uh, Shakespeare in Love, which um, uh, you, you you are a, a fan of, and uh, I didn't have that bad a time with it at all. I mean, I liked uh, um, most of it, and I certainly wasn't squirming in my seat, but everybody, the, the general thing is why, you know, Saving Private Ryan was a... Um, you know, uh, is age well, and 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 you can still get that juice. I, I got to be honest. I haven't watched say, um, Shakespeare in Love uh, in in the ten years since it opened. Mm. I, I enjoyed it, but I for whatever reason I just haven't gotten the DVD or the Blu-ray, or I just haven't had that thing. But I have wanted to go back and and savor uh, Saving Private Ryan. So um, for what that's worth. And have you gone back to watch Saving Private Ryan again? Yes, there was a Blu-ray that came out, and I actually uh, did uh, buy it. And um, it's 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 um, it's you know it's the you're supposed to absolutely be into the opening. Was it thirty minutes, mm-hmm. twenty-five minutes on right. D-Day? Yeah, something and then, like that. And then you're and then you're supposed to feel or the general feeling is that it kind of sinks down a little bit. I don't think it uh, it, it you know. You, you were writing that it kind of craps out. I, I don't think craps out of the word. It just kind of doesn't uh, maintain that that astonishing, uh, you know, uh, um, <clears throat> just the, the the technique, the the energy, the horror that he shows as all these guys are are being horrible, uh, unexpected, sudden death, and all these different ways. It's just really quite a landmark um, sequence. Oh, um, I agree absolutely. But um, I. At the Oscar, Oscar historians will tell you that the reason Saving Private Ryan lost was because of a very effective whisper campaign against it, and the whisper campaign went something like, "What I just, you know, what you just described as my feelings. It's only good for the first thirty minutes, mm-hmm. and then the rest of it is very bad." And so they, you know, they were saying that that got around enough that it, it hurt the film, and that's why it didn't win. Um, mm. I don't think mm. so. I think it's because Shakespeare. I get in a lot of trouble for this, but it's true. Shakespeare in Love to me is a better film. I've seen it mm. several times now, and it's, you know, you have to kind of get the jokes, the Shakespeare jokes, but once you do, you see it's it's so well balanced. It's perfectly written, perfectly directed. Mm-hmm. It's nothing mm-hmm. extraordinary the way Saving Private Ryan was, which, you know, I mean, you can't deny its place in, in film history. It just, it, it right. is one of the standouts. It is one of the astonishing accomplishments of Spielberg's career. Um, mm. Historically, it is 
the more lasting, you know, the more influential film. Shakespeare in Love uh-huh. is only, you know, a favorite of a few of us out there. Um, but uh-huh. side by side, Shakespeare in Love is a better movie, in my opinion. I know that uh-huh. everybody will disagree with me on that. They always do. But uh-huh. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't begrudge Saving Private Ryan winning. Uh-huh. And if it had won and Shakespeare in Love lost, I wouldn't feel a great injustice had been done. But I do understand how and why Shakespeare in Love won that year. Right. Okay. Well, I won't, you know, as again, I don't feel um, particularly uh, negatively towards it. I just, um, uh, it, it certainly didn't feel as, a, as thrilling in a, in a cinematic way as that first half hour of Saving Private Ryan. I, I thought that was so um, uh, audacious and, and uh, the last really excellent thing in my book that uh, Spielberg has has done um, hmm, anyway uh, so there's so we actually you know <laughs> we have you and I have such a, a backlog of, 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 of memory and, and feeling with all these and we could we could do a whole podcast without Phil Contrino about this list of right <laughs> of <laughs> a lot of them I easily, know. <laughs> easily we could just go on and on you know we could talk about how was unfair that Citizen Kane did not um, prevail, and how green was my valley, which is a, a excellent uh, John Ford film. Uh, part of which was shot in Ventura County with Walter Pidgeon and Ronnie McDowell. And, hmm. But here, I have a way to compress all this, and okay. I, and I, I just happened because I knew we were going to talk about this. So as I was on the mega bus coming up from <laughs> uh, DC. It has uh, Wi-Fi too, by the way. It's it's really pretty nice uh, experience. It's uh-huh. really not a problem. I don't know why people feel that they have to take the Akella train and and Amtrak. Much much more expensive. But yes, there's that nice soothing feeling of being on the rails and you know. But it's there's really the those 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 buses are really uh, it's really pretty nice. Yeah, pretty, pretty, sounds like pretty, it. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Anyway, the 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 summary that I that I tried is that. I basically said that uh, uh, year after year, people <clears throat> in the academy, if we're talking about them alone, not the critic troops and not, not, not the uh, columnists, the bloggers, but pe- people do recognize uh, what's, what's good in terms of the basic bones of that people understand and vote for and support and are enthusiastic about seeing uh, films that are kind of have that, you know, kind of an artsy element or, mm-hmm. or extremely well made. Or have you know obviously strong stories and, and and characters that you like and all that stuff. We all you know nobody's clueless on that. But what seems to be and has been, I think, uh, the, you know the, the the kind of the tipping point or the deciding factor is um, is values. Uh, mm. People respond to values, human values, uh, community values, whatever you want. Um, the film is is expressing something. Uh, that is a simple kind of truism that the uh, voters recognize as being fundamentally true, close to home, something that they understand, a movie that reflects uh, their lives, what they're about, what they believe in, right. and makes them feel agreeable about it. So what about I, that theory? I think that's a right-on theory. I really do. And I think that you, you know, if you take that and you add to it that they vote in the moment of what hits them then – and not what's right. going to hit them 10 years down the road. For one thing, they don't know how the world is going to change. Like I was just writing about broadcast news and the way the news business has changed, it's made that a more important, more vital film. It's a great film anyway, but 
um, it has more resonance today than the movie that did win, which was The, um, the Last Emperor, just because mm-hmm. of the way our, our culture has changed. But the Academy voters can't possibly know that's coming, so they can't really be held accountable. But as I'm looking down this list of films that, w- that beat other films that were more challenging, uh, lasting, and influential, the thing they seem to have in common is that they're all um, idealistic, redemptive, um, emotional release kind of films yeah. every one of them and they tend the to ones be that won. the right. ones that won they tend to be they tend right. to highlight the american spirit and and you know celebrate mm-hmm. mankind rather than denigrate mankind you know and the only two eras mm-hmm. where they didn't do that was the 70s where a lot of the films were anti-hero driven and mm-hmm. now which we're getting a lot of films where you don't have have to have heroic characters necessarily to win or a feel-good ending yeah. you know you know, it's funny. Somebody was saying um, uh, today on, on in my column that I, I, I really hadn't thought of the social network as a tragedy, but that's what his this guy's view was, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, really. Uh, and it's yeah, and that it's uh, it's about a you know a person who realizes at the end that uh, everything he was uh, going for and trying to uh, you know bring into his life by being. Uh, um, innovative and and brilliant, and starting this great uh, company, uh, it, it really didn't uh, get him what he was wanting. And it's and it's that the ending of of basically uh, you know Charles Foster Kane thinking about Rosebud, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, and, uh, and you know uh, Mark Zuckerberg thinking about that girl that that kind of you know just let him uh, go. I'll, I'll I'll just express what this guy said. Uh, I'll read it. Uh, the big question is whether Americans can't accept a story that is tragedy. Virtually all best picture films are comedies, he says, <laughs> not in the sense of being funny, but in the classic Aristotle, Aristotelian, is that how you pronounce that? Aristot- Aristotelian. Aristotelian. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the only exception, he says, it might be No Country for Old Men. It's kind of a, you know, kind of a dark art film, and Unforgiven, which is a brilliant uh, uh, film about uh, about violence in, in America. The in Departed, Western, The Hurt yeah. Locker, yeah. Midnight Hurt Locker. Cowboy, yeah. you know, there are a yeah. lot of them. The yeah. Godfather, Godfather 1, Godfather 2. Yeah. I know Godfather 2 in particular. But mm-hmm. the social network he maintains is clearly a tragedy, capital G. The protagonist learns too late that his Herculean efforts to connect with other humans, especially women, have, in fact, only hermetically sealed him off from the world. No, it's wrong. It's an incorrect reading of the film. That's a... <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's imposing one's own failings. On... <laughs> it's okay. not a tragedy. And the reason it's not is because what happens at the end is that he friends the girl that he likes. And so what you're seeing is his way of adapting his own personality flaws onto a social network that helps him with that. Also, we live okay. his success every day of our lives. This is a an American success story. It might not mm. be a happy ending because it's bittersweet. He got it and he paid a high price for it. But it's certainly not Rosebud where poor old Citizen Kane dies at the end all alone and heartbroken and never got what he wanted out of life, which was the love that he got from his mother in his early childhood. Uh, There's nothing Mark Zuckerberg's trying to get back to. This is a guy who clawed his way to the top. Um, I would say, if Mm -hmm. anything, it's a little more like All About Eve in that way. It's kind Mm -hmm. of an ironic success story because she triumphs at the end, but it comes at a price, you know, and she has to pay that price. But it doesn't make it... 
as much of a tragedy as All About Eve. Um, and it's debatable whether that's a tragedy or not. But Okay. I love the ending of, of All About Eve, the, um, um, uh, the, the schemer and the, uh, the, the woman who is uh, played by Ann Baxter, who has basically uh, done everything she can, she can to uh, get herself in the position where she can be the next Betty Davis, mm. uh, is, um, is, has herself an assistant who is scheming against against her <laughs> yeah. and we see she's going to go through the same thing and it's mm-hmm. really uh you know what people want from a film they don't want necessarily tragedy but they don't want uh, uh everything to be happy and you know up and everything but they no. do want a sense of justice that th- what's happening at the end like was what the godfather part two he's all kind of alone and he's killed his brother and he's taken care of business and look at him you know that right. that's a sense of justice you know he's gotten his just deserves not that he should be you know flayed and, and whipped and punished but he's 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 made his bed right and look what happened and right? mark zuckerberg gets it too in the end because he gets sued by two different people right. for a lot of money and eduardo saverin gets his name put back on the masthead it's like I think to a degree people like that because we we secretly envy Mark Zuckerberg and we also kind of hate him at the same time and we really want to see him get his come up <laughs> and he does you know but it's it's a you know it's a it's a complex film it doesn't it doesn't give you an easy answer that's what I like about it every time you go back to it you can find different things that are meaningful so Oh, by the way, I wanted to just say, um, because uh, a film that I saw last week that I was completely surprised uh, works as well as it does, and I was immediately, uh, upon saying that it works as well as it does yeah, by its own terms, and I'm speaking of Roger Michel's Morning Glory, and hmm. it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, I'm not going to say that it's as good as broadcast news. Uh, I'm going to say, however, that it, within the... the, the you know the the, the the standards of a mainstream, uh, quick and sharp and 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 very well acted uh, uh, comedy slash you know um, growth story about a woman uh, having to adapt and 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 survive in a very tough business. It's it's really really pretty good. It's mm-hmm. it's really up there, you know. And uh, and and immediately, I mean, I'm talking about less than an hour after I wrote that. Uh, which I was wrote from a Starbucks somewhere on Ninth Avenue or something. <laughs> Chris Tapley swept right down and said, "Are you? <laughs> what is happening to you?" <laughs> this is we're talking about Chris Tapley in Contending. What is? I mean, first you like lo- love and other drugs, and now this. You know, this is it. This is it. And I said, "Listen, Chris, there's nothing. It's not criminal for a film that is configured as a uh, satisfying, audience-pleasing thing, thing. It's not criminal for a film to work." And, and, and be um, sharp and well-shaped and well-handled and well-paced. It's really not uh, a problem movie at all. It's a, it's a pretty good one. I mean, it really it doesn't and, – and so there's going to be a – so he was just totally dismissing it. But I just want to point out in a uh, story by uh, uh, former People magazine critic Leah Rosen that is dated uh, uh, the 29th. It's actually a Sunday New York Times story mm. that – Rachel McAdams, uh, uh, a story about her, and the headline is, and I quote directly, looking at the story as we speak, an actress on the brink of a blockbuster. Now, why would they say that if they didn't think it was pretty pretty good? I mean, you know, I don't know if it's going to be a blockbuster. I don't know if it's going to be a hit or not, but I know that what I saw, and I know that this is um, 
not something that tries my patience at all, and that was very pleasing uh, mm. to me. Um, uh, oh. The whole, you know. So um, uh, that, I think Chris yeah. was saying that more, you know, th- he was reacting to the early word that it was terrible. The same thing happened with love and other drugs. The early word was bad, and then, but, um, but I think sometimes it it can be surprising. I mean, we're you know we all don't belong to a club that says we all have to like and dislike the same movies. You know, it's it. I don't. You know, it could be great. And and but the reason I think that article on Rachel McAdams came out is because I think does she carry the whole movie? She's uh, it. She's, she's, it, she's right? the lead. There's no, no question about that. Diane Keaton is 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 deep supporting. Uh, Harrison Ford is not. Uh, you know, it's not his Harrison Ford story. Uh, she's it. She's start to. She, she's there at the beginning and she finishes it up. And it's her story. And it's about. Uh, I mean, I I completely believed her as much as I believed Holly Hunter in broadcast news. I mean, I mm. trusted that she was for real. I'm not saying that the lines are quite as good as they are sometimes in broadcast news, and I'm not saying that it has uh, mo- that, that great scene that you uh, <clears throat> excerpted on your uh, on your on your um, on your column with via um, movie clips, mm-hmm. where <clears throat> Albert Brooks uh, compares uh, 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 William Hurt's character, uh, <laughs> Tom Grenick, to to the devil, and <laughs> right. uh, and uh, you know. I mean, we, you know, I'm I'm half serious here. I mean, what's oh, he, so great. You know, do you think he? What if he, the devil comes back? What's he gonna do? Go? <laughs> you know, he's not. Uh, he, he's gonna be a, a nice guy. I love that speech. You know. Yeah, I know, and I love how he ends it with, and he'll get all the great women. Great women. <laughs> <laughs> and he'll talk about how. We're really all salesmen. And, yeah, you know, it's brilliant. So it's, it's brilliant. Jim, very, nobody's very better than James Brooks, that's for sure. But um, but how yeah. is Diane Keaton? Uh, could she's she? Could she's she fine. be? She's, she's supposed. To, what? I was just wondering. Could she? Would she be a supporting actress contender? Do you think? I don't think so. No. Okay. Because her part's too small. No. Is that why? It's not. There's not enough of a part. Uh, she's Diane Sawyer, but a little, a little more pissed off. She doesn't have that that glow that Diane Sawyer has. But she's, um, she's a little uh, irritated. She's, you know, she's kind of like supposed to be Diane Sawyer, and maybe uh, Barbara Walters, maybe you know. And um, she's used to pro- executive producers coming and going, and it's the uh, it's a toilet uh, uh, show. It's way down in the ratings, and it's uh, just a. a Hop, skip, and a jump away from being canceled. And uh, as far as morning shows are mm-hmm. concerned, that's what it's about, about trying to get a morning show uh, up and running again. And Rachel McAdams' big brainstorm is to bring in a Dan Rather-like figure, a lion of, of, of news journalism, uh, a very distinguished guy who's, who's really, uh, you know, warrants uh, respect as a serious newsman to do the, the, the patter and the chatter and, and occasionally do cooking segments and that kind of thing just right. to kind of you know, juice up the show. So that's mainly what it is. But there's a lot of setup. There's a lot of uh, stuff that, uh, that, uh, that, uh, that happens of, a, of, a, of a, just a details and anecdotes and just little tiny um, uh, aspects of, in terms of like just the, the way people speak to each other, the secondary characters, the, 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 the dialogue is sharp and it's, and it's clear. I, there's no basis for, um, <clears throat> for pissing on this movie. There just isn't. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can say it's not enough or it's not... It's not it's not broadcast news. Therefore, I am going to pan it because right. it disappoints because it doesn't live up to the classic standards. Well, it's pretty darn close. It really is. Well, does it does it comment on the news business? Does it um, 
expose any kind of aspect of the yeah. news business as being shallow and personality driven yeah. and corporate owned. And- she's she yeah she's the she's the shallow person. She's the one who's trying to survive and keep her job and make this show into a hit. And and Harrison Ford is the um, uh, you know the old line journalist, the the, the TV uh, commentator and reporter, who is disgusted at what his life is that he uh you know he has a contract with these guys and he has to accept this job it's in her in his contract and if he doesn't accept the job he will lose his income for the next two years and uh, so he really doesn't have too much of a choice and so he does as little as possible to go along with trying to make this thing ahead he just sits there and he's just, he's stiff and he's he's grim and he's grumpy and it's it's kind of about how that this situation evolves, and um, and you, you just I just tell you, there's that it's not a problem to go with this thing. It's just not. It, you know, it sounds great. It really does. It sounds like a movie I would love. <laughs> right. So, I think a lot of people are going to love it. You know, but uh, who knows with the public? You know, they just decide right. they don't want to see something, and they kind of go, or you know, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it, but I, she's good. Go ahead. I'm no, sorry. I was just going to say uh, um, that is a movie that could be really hurt by bad reviews uh you know once it gets if a cup if it gets panned like um hereafter did uh i don't think well actually hereafter didn't scratch that it didn't really get panned. Oh, wait a minute now you're saying if the chris tapley's of the world gang up on it not the chris tapley's of the world more like the kenneth turans and a.o scott's of the world there's no basis um, for them to do that there's no basis for that they I'm just saying, if do... they do, that's that's the only thing that can really hurt the movie. Otherwise, maybe it will be a blockbuster, you know. But the yeah. interesting thing is that Rachel McAdams is carrying it, so I guess it is kind of a, a test on on her star power and her her ability to lead a film. I have to say, it's kind of a remarkable year for lead actresses. I know people have been saying that about the Oscar race, but you just keep seeing one female-driven movie after another being released. That's isn't that great? Yeah, it's I great just love and it. unusual. Love it. Yeah. She's, um, um, you know, it's funny. I, I was saying to the Paramount people after I came out, and I went in not expecting too much. I was saying I want this to please, please God, not be a painful. I don't want to see a Nancy Myers film. Right. And I, so, some guy, uh, an exhibitor, had told Steve Pond of the rap that it's James Brooks by way of Nancy Myers, and I immediately my blood ran cold when I heard that because I know what that kind of means and I just don't think she does the work she doesn't work hard enough to make these things her confection I understand it's fine for Nancy Myers to be Nancy Myers I just wish she would try it harder and she wrote uh, rewrote herself more I wish that she uh, didn't have those awful scenes that she has her in her films like remember in um, It's Complicated when the kids are uh, and they're all in their 20s Sitting, they're they're in bed together and they're it's upset. The worst. She's had, having a oh my god, you know. No, it's that's just, the worst. It was you know, the worst. That was yeah. painful to sit through that movie. I hated it so much. Yeah. But um, so, anyway. so we share the same views. Anyway, I didn't want to see that, and it, and I was like, I just lit up after about fifteen minutes. I realized it wasn't going to be that, and um, so. Yeah. And uh um and she, remember how everybody felt about Rachel McAdams um uh, when she was in um The Wedding Crashers? I mean it was like, oh, she's, you know, this is she's destined for for she's amazing. And she didn't quite go into more amazing things. She kind of did this and that. She was uh had a relationship with um with Ryan Gosling for a while and and she kind of um this is the best thing she has done since 
the Wedding Crashers, and I feel the same way about her, and more so because uh, she was not the lead in the Wedding Crashers, right. and she is unquestionably the lead. She is the person whom you trust and respect, and you like her personally, and you get what she's going through, and you're with her, and she gets through it, and you're never. And I was, there was a scene where she has dropped, almost dropped her cell phone. And it was by a pond. Uh, I think it was possibly Central Park. It was some pond somewhere. And I went, please don't have her drop the cell phone in the pond. Please don't do that. That's <laughs> such a, you know, comedic, uh, cliche, slapstick, you know. And, and Or don't have her lose her balance and fall into the pond either. Like, you know, just don't do any falling into the pond of any kind. And they didn't. <laughs> And, oh, I, really? and, I, and I relaxed and I said, oh, thank God, I'm going to like this because they're not doing the, the usual crap that they throw in because they think, that, you know, people enjoy um, yeah. uh, a good laugh, you know, somebody falling down, fall, you know, slipping on a banana peel, falling into a pond, whatever. Right. It's, uh, so it's very, very satisfying to come across a film like this. And Roger Michel, you know, I didn't want to underestimate him. <clears throat> He's good. Roger Michel has, has got it, and I and he's first. He's first rate. Uh, I'm not going to call him uh, Brooks. I'm not going to uh, in his heyday. I'm not going to call him. Um, he's he's just has been good, and when he's on it, he's got a good good material. It's 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 very um, it's very comforting and very nice to see something like this. And it's the writer of Devil Wears Prada, right? Uh, Aileen Brush McKenna is the same screenwriter. Aileen. And I was scared about her, frankly, because I I didn't care at all for 27 Dresses. I was okay with the Devil Wears Prada. It was actually a pretty decent film. But I didn't like 27 Dresses and I didn't Terrible. know it was going to be in that direction. And again, it's uh, much, much better than I, than I had any reason uh, to expect. And I also mentioned to the Paramount people, not to uh, dominate our, our chat here, but there is uh, marketing that is, that is telling you that it's pretty mainstream right down the middle and it looks like a like a kind of a cute uh film about a about a woman um uh rachel of course uh, <clears throat> making her way through this uh, you know you've got harrison ford sitting there with an apple and diane keaton laughing and it looks it looks kind of safe and and right. predictable the other films of roger michelle's that are of note would be uh venus with peter o'toole yeah. changing lanes with ben affleck um and mm -hmm. and notting hill so Notting Hill was a really big hit. Uh, if they yep. can, if they can position Morning Glory like that, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. sky's the limit. So not, not to obsess on this film, we'll get, we'll get off it. But one quick question: Chris Tapley had been reacting to what he had heard about it. You know, it's, got, it's a problem movie. Where did that come from exactly? From a, I'm not an really early sure. I'm not really okay. sure. I, I just remember that, well, maybe it was early screenings. Um, people had commented here and there, perhaps, and there were test screening mm -hmm. reviews or, you know, you yeah. can never trust okay. those things. But pe yeah. but people yeah. do. They get an idea in their head that it's going to be a bad movie and they just stick with that. So I think everybody had pretty much written off Morning Glory until I hear now that it's actually a good movie. So that's interesting. Yeah. Marketing is it's the task of marketing, and they'd be fired if they didn't, but they're always supposed to take the elements that will appeal to the lowest common denominator mm -hmm. out there. They're not supposed mm -hmm. to make a they're not supposed to give an idea that it's some kind of um, you know movie that you that are that cultivated you know sitting ass and film goers were like they, they they're, right. they're supposed to sh sell it to the people that don't want to feel challenged or intimidated by something, so that's what they did but um 
you know, um, uh, I guess you're never supposed to do that. You're never supposed to tell people what I'm trying to articulate with you. In other words, you're not, <laughs> you're supposed to say, <laughs> it's, it's, this is really just, you know, <laughs> mulch is what it is, you know. Right, right. And, and, it's, and it's too bad because you get the idea that it's going to be a, uh, a painful thing to sit through and then, uh, you know, lo and behold, it's not. So. Well, let's see how it does. You know, I'm sure Rachel McAdams is going to be great. And I wonder if she'll. Do you think she's in any way a best best actress contender for this? Or if if you're talking about likability and 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 uh, and just uh, I mean, does she have those moments that are uh, that really pierce through? Does she have some big flaw? You know, she, uh, if 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 it's not, it's because she doesn't have some great hurdle that she's trying to right, overcome, sure. other than the fact that that the world is not interested in her succeeding. And uh, but you believe that she's um, she understands the absurdity of of uh, and how shallow and manipulative and and not very uh, uh, intelligent uh, morning news shows are. They're they're you know they're puff mm. and they're uh, you know. But she gets that, and you know that she gets that. So it's not a I don't have a problem with her char- character, and I, and I don't really need her to have cancer or to have a mother with cancer. I I, I wasn't I would not have been interested if that was thrown in. Uh, what else could we? Well, is she is she making the best of a bad situation, or is she just kind of trying to do her job? Because when I watch the morning news, I just can't believe that they lead with stories like um, Mariah Carey is is pregnant, is announcing her pregnancy after her miscarriage last year, and you know Lindsay Lohan's latest drug arrest. That this is on the morning news. It, it surprises me yeah. every time they lead with a story, a gossip story, and I'm hoping that Morning Glory nails them for that. I don't know if they're going to or not, but the changing face of news oh, no. is he, the story. He, yeah, no, you're. I'm just telling you that Harrison Ford is the condemning voice. He's a grump. He's a very sour man. Uh, he's um, who's not that charming through about two thirds of it, but he is a. Um, he is. He 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 lays into her, calling her a cretin and degrading, and you know. Uh, making a uh, uh, mockery of what used to be an honorable news tradition mm. and uh, the whole thing. So wow. they don't they don't step away from that at all. So. Well, so you have. But you understand she's trying to survive. So I mean, yeah. I think we all relate to that. Uh, have we ever? Have any of us ever been in a job that perhaps we're not radiantly proud of? <laughs> right. But we've got rent and children's bills to pay and right. we have to do it you sure. know? so I, Absolutely. I completely understood that you know? so but we've got coming into the fall season we've got three kind of similar uh, tonally similar films we've got um, Anne Hathaway and Love and Other Drugs we've got Rachel McAdams and Morning Glory and we've got uh, Reese Witherspoon in How How Will He Know <laughs> How Do You Know so those three films, I'm wondering if they're just, you know, they're going to be lumped together, these three women, and, and if, if any of them are going to stand out, if Anne Hathaway is going to be the one that stands out, or, you know, it's going to be an interesting way. I don't, I don't know how to do it, but I really don't feel it's right for people to dump on films that are satisfying to a mainstream audience in a very bright and sharp way. Mm. And I, it seems to me if you want to uh, toast, uh, toast a, an actress, by giving her a Best Actress uh, nomination because you feel that she does it really well. I don't see what the problem is. I don't, you know, uh, was there a problem with, 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 uh, let's say, uh, what's the analogy? You know, uh, I mean, the analogy uh, is, is it, Julia uh, Roberts in Pretty Woman. She was nominated for an Oscar, and Melanie Griffith in Working Girl. 
those are the precedents for for any of these women to be taken seriously in the Oscar race would be. Uh, well, I, the, I can see you've done your homework and thought about this, and th th those are excellent uh, things to point out because is uh, I I feel that Rachel McAdams' part <clears throat> is much better written and she's much more uh, um, believable uh, than uh, than <clears throat> Melanie Griffith was. Uh, I thought Melanie Griffith was okay. I didn't really believe that a a woman from Queens who had a Queens accent would be able to make her way right. uh, up the ladder as she does. Uh, I didn't. I don't. I just didn't buy it. You know, it's just not the way the world works. Um, and and yet the, that movie directed by Mike Nichols was mm -hmm. was appealing to uh, to women who are do not have elegant educations and are, and maybe have not had the the opportunity to you know. And they 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 sound and talk like neighborhood girls from Queens or Brooklyn or or you know, Jersey City or whatever. Right. So, um, I didn't buy it, but I bought her, I bought everything about this, uh, this actress, uh, this, this character that she plays. And, um, so it's, um, so it, that, that precedent you spoke of, that, that, then she should be nominated. That's the, the thing we're talking about. Right. And so. we have these women from these, these comedic, they're not comedic, all of them, but they're, as you say, audience pleasing versus the other side of it, which is these very depressing, emotionally wrenching darker stories like Nicole Kidman, Natalie Portman in Black Swan and Michelle Williams uh, in Blue Valentine. Um, Those certainly fit the paradigm of what we tend to think best actress performances are and um, not in any way to put down um, <clears throat> Nicole Kidman uh, um, but um, the, she is right in, right down the middle as far as satisfying that 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 uh, that that criteria that paradigm um it, it's just i was i didn't like her as much as i liked rachel mcadams i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i felt that rachel mcadams was just as real in her own way as nicole kidman is in in um uh, uh, rabbit hole um she's um you know she's a woman who's um you feel so badly for both her and her husband you can see that they're struggling not to be uh, as I, I this term I came up the griefersons you know that that's yeah. their whole lives uh, <laughs> um, and 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 um, so there's nothing I'm not putting it down anyway but it is a kind of a you know you kind of know where this is going to going to go you have a feeling right away it's you know they're 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 treading the, the same waters as as ordinary people did you know which right. is about trauma and death and everything well and um, uh, I'll tell you something Rachel McAdams has been consistently good throughout her career. She didn't get as much critical acclaim for Mean Girls, which she was great in that. If you watch Mean Girls again, you'll see that Rachel McAdams is the real standout uh, in that film. <laughs> she's hilarious. All she has all the great lines and she's funny and she's she's tragic. She she plays all all the different notes perfectly. She's great in in the Ryan Gosling um, the Notebook, which is a silly movie, but she's great mm -hmm. in it. You know, she's vivacious and beautiful. She's the it girl. You know, um, it's mm -hmm. hard not to like her. That's for sure. I mean, I think she's the kind right. of actress where you'll go see the movie just to see her in it because she, you know, mm -hmm. you feel good looking at her and she's funny and she's talented and she's soulful. You know, so I actually prefer her to Anne Hathaway. Um, I like Anne mm -hmm. Hathaway too, but I think. I think Rachel McAdams is, has more versatility as an actress, and um, it makes me personally feel good because I um, I have gotten so used to the idea of despising um, a, a film that is mainstream that does appeal to women that's about a that has a, a woman in the lead that that you know but it feels plastic it feels ungenuine it feels uh, 
you know, kind of you know jiggered in a way that's dishonest and uh, and plot elements that I don't buy and I can't go with it and I I want to go with these things because when they do work they work and they're delightful and I'm I just wish more more films of this type were um, would be made because I wouldn't instantly say I don't want to see rom-coms it's not a, besides it's not really a rom-com it's a survival com is what it is she has to survive and stay afloat and if she doesn't she'll be living with her mom in New Jersey and she'll be miserable and nobody right. wants her to do that. So, so the, the, uh, the central know. story is not a love story. There's, there, I know she has a love interest in it. Um, I'm telling you, Patrick Wilson is strictly off on the sidelines in the same way that Adrian Grenier was off on the sidelines in okay. um, The Devil Wears Prada. But while Adrian Grenier <clears throat> basically guilt-tripped Anne Hathaway for not being a uh, good enough girlfriend or not supportive of him and having no focus and not seeming, seeming to have a soul in her life to, to, un, to enjoy life other than just being on the fast track, <clears throat> you know, working for Meryl Streep. And that was a lame argument, it seemed to me. I mean, uh, you know, <clears throat> what, what was he telling her? Uh, don't work as hard, maybe get fired, and that's what I want you to do, so, so I'll really love you as my <laughs> best girl. You know, she was... The character was changing, and the Adrian Grenier character didn't like how she was becoming more into the mm-hmm. fashion world and changing the way she dressed, the way she acted, what her values mm-hmm. were. You know, he just couldn't. He liked the schlubby girl who ate bagels and thought everything was stupid. You know, right. right. So, I think that's what happened there. But, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing Morning Glory now. How can you lose with Diane Keaton, Harrison Ford, and Rachel McAdams anyway? You know. Mm-hmm. Before we shut off, uh, Sasha, I know um, I, I just wanted to briefly. Uh, uh, say a word or two of tribute to George Chickenlooper, who mm. um, uh, only a uh, only 47 years old and was um, was found uh, dead in, uh, on Saturday morning yesterday. Oh, so uh, sad. And and with no explanation, no hint what happened, but he has a new film that he has been working on for a good good while. I mean, two years, really. Uh, and it's called Casino Jack, starring Kevin Spacey as the once high-flying and now disgraced uh, Republican lobbyist Jack Abramoff, who was also portrayed in a documentary by Alex Gibney. It is as good in its own way as Recount was in its way. Now, Recount was about the uh, disputed election of um, of 2000, mm-hmm. in which uh, you know the, the hanging chads and everything, it came down to a to a to a recount um, in Florida, and I knew when I saw that film, I said, "This is first of all, this is a very smart, engaging, well written, taught uh, political drama." But if they were to open this film uh, theatrically, uh, it would die pretty quickly, and it would uh, nothing would happen because most people don't want to know from political dramas, right. particularly things that are of a challenging nature. I said to a friend of George's that I felt that the best, the best way for this film to be seen, and more people would probably see it, would be for it to be an HBO feature. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, and that's in no way a put down. I just feel that this is the best format for it because everybody saw. A lot of people saw. Did you see Recount? I thought it was a. Yeah. I mean, I, I got I've, DVD. It's a. It's a good film. You know? No, I've seen it several times actually. I find myself okay. always going back to watch it. I just like the rhythm of it. I think it's almost perfect um, in its yeah. pacing and, and tone and what it says. It doesn't take anything right. you know so seriously that it's a bummer to watch. It just speeds right along, and by the end of it, you get the full impact of the story. 
But um, I just wanted to say that, that George Hickenlooper was such a, a presence on your site for so long. He would always come in with, you know, sometimes controversial uh, comments. He would he would argue sometimes with the commenters, and um, but mm-hmm. he was he was a loyal reader. And you know, it is strange that he, that he's he suddenly died. I mean, it's it's really shocking. I mean, he was he was kind of your friend, right? I mean, you knew him. As far as um, he was a um, uh, industry friend, wh- whom I trusted and and personally liked, and who I knew I could always call, and vice versa. So I guess I could. I think that friend is is almost the term. Hmm. I think it is. Um, you know, do we really know each other? No. Do we? Do we? Uh, uh, you know, do we? Um, you know, do our, do our kids know each other? Do we actually have dinners on Sunday? No, we didn't. It was just phone calls. It was screenings. It was events. Uh, it was whatever we wanted to talk to each other. We did. So that's not quite friends, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. It's pretty close. I mean, he knew you enough to be re- to read your site every day, and so he, yeah. you know, he was very much a part of of Hollywood Elsewhere. So, um, yeah. it was you know heartening to read all the comments from your your readers about him. And how much they miss him. It's it's such a sad thing for someone to die so young and surprising. I mean, it's natural causes, so that means a heart attack, I assume. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I think. Uh, a friend who doesn't, uh, whose uh, whole thing is never writing what stuff that he knows, says that he was hanging with him a day before, and um, says that his he was a little unfocused, and his um, he had kind of a clammy handshake, and it was not vigorous in his manner hmm. so perhaps he had uh, you know heart attacks can be uh, you know the, the blood is not getting uh, to the system the way it should uh, you know perhaps we're talking you know cholesterol blah uh, who knows you know or, or or maybe it was some kind of congenital thing that came from his mom it had nothing to do with his uh, with his um, with his health with his weight uh, he was heavyish. But uh, he was not obese. He was just, you know, a heavyish guy. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, a- um, I, I know that when my uncle passed away in the middle of the night, he was only 46, and he said the same thing. He he had kind of felt bad the day before, sort of tired and had flu-like symptoms, and laid down mm. in his heart. In the middle of the night, his heart just stopped. So I think mm. that sometimes that can be a good indicator that something's, you know, really wrong with your body if you don't have a cold, but you're feeling really tired and, and worn out. and um, Right. Well, anyway, that's totally off topic. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. anyway, a, a wonderful man and, and and a bright man, and and it's very very sad. I'm sorry. It I'm is very, very sorry. sad. Yeah, uh, me too. And so, do you think that Casino Jack's going to make its way to HBO after all, or will they do a theatrical well, release? They were locked into this idea of a theatrical, and um, they. George's ideal scenario is that Kevin Spacey, who do, who really does have a good Good run with this, um, with with playing Jack Abramoff. We get a Best Actor nomination. They could ride that one. Mm. I don't think it's going to happen because I don't think uh, that it's uh, a double A plus movie with a great. Uh, you, it's like we're kind of used to uh, Kevin Spacey being uh, uh, pissy and and brilliant and and snarky and uh, and uh, a guy who's kind of like you know convinced of his invincibility of his brilliance. And you know he played Bobby Darren that way almost, and he right. was. Um, I, I feel, you know his big role was of course American Beauty, and he was a guy who was kind of a he had an arc in that one, 
Hmm. And that was a guy who was a kind of a married, schlumpy guy who was kind of a sad sack, uh, you know, jerking off in the shower in the beginning, and 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 his wife doesn't love him, and he, they, he's going to get fired at his job. And he, then the arc happens in American Beauty where he becomes this this pot smoking guy who works out, and he's got a settlement, and you know, he find, he kind of finds a, a new thing. So that was a. Uh, a this is not that kind of role. It's it's mm. just uh, it's it's like you feel you've seen it and it doesn't really blow you away. But he's very good as a Republican lobbyist and he's got that arrogance and that that way that um, he's very good at conveying. Mm. But he he plays jerks. He plays people that are kind of headstrong and not terribly likable. And you know, like swimming with sharks. That was right. that was kind of new when he did that. Oh, he's great in that, and he's his best. Yeah, I think wonderful. is Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is still my favorite performance of his, um, where he plays mm. the really yep. mean boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I hope yeah. they do put yeah. it on HBO because I think you're right. That's a much better fit. Um, and and it'll it'll just get more penetration, and pe- more people will see it. And um, I just have this feeling it's going to be just it's going to fizzle when it opens theatrically, and I mm. and I don't want to say that in a way that indicates that I think it's a lousy film or something. It's just that people don't want to go to these films. And I don't think Jack Abramoff uh, as a topic is something that really taps into something strong thematically. Or it's not a, He's not a metaphor. He's just a story of Jack Abramoff, basically. Right. Or and you want to call him... No. We're also right. reaching a point now where we're, I think people are just about over-saturated with getting these crooks from the last administration in the last few years, I think that they're, they're, you know, with, with inside job and wall street and, you know, I just think at some point it's going to start to feel like too much is too much on this Mm -hmm. topic, even though it's all important information that, that everybody should know, people are going to start shying away from it pretty soon because they're, you know, they feel like maybe they've heard enough, you know? Mm. I got to say, uh, all those crooks and everything, um, and people are a little bit, uh, just about done with it. But I, my, the best laugh of the day, the best laugh of the day came from, um, came from Joe Layden in Texas, and he sent me a, uh, an, uh, a picture, and mm-hmm. it's of uh, George Dubia, George George Bush, and uh, the title of the, uh, it's, it's captioned at the top. It says, "I fucked you all, <laughs> but thanks for blaming it on the black guy." <laughs> That's great. So, the best laugh I've had all day. Oh, it's so great! What a shame, but it's so true, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's they they want to blame it on him, and it's uh, I don't know what he's going to do, but he's got to do something between now and 2012 because it would be um, very, very, in my mind, horrific if if some um, buddy in the in the in the Bush wheelhouse were to get in in 2012, and, and uh, it would just be awful, just terrible. Well, things aren't looking too good right now for the Democrats, that's for sure. But as far as, Well, certainly as far as Tuesday, and yeah. they're going to lose the House, and mm-hmm. who knows with the Senate. But yep. I responded to that thing that Michael Moore wrote about how they're, you know, what monsters they are and how they just, uh, I thought he articulated what, the, what their real agenda is, and... Uh, yeah, we could we could go off on this. We for could, another, we absolutely could. Part. But I mean, basically, they're either um, it's a dirty job, and it's a job for crooks and criminals who know how to fool the American public. And if you're an honest guy like Obama or Jimmy Carter, mm-hmm. you have a harder time doing right. that. You have to be the king of bullshit to be president. You know. <laughs> so. 
Yeah. <laughs> and Obama's yeah. not a bullshitter. He's trying to tell us like it is, and nobody wants to hear that. Everybody wants to hear a fake reality that, you know, everything's going to get do better. Think, do you think that, you know, Bill Clinton, was, who's always been liked by the public, even, you know, the, 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 the blowjob problems of, uh, of 98 mm-hmm. did not affect his personality significantly? Um, and uh, he, do you think that if he were the person who had been elected, um, instead of Obama, and he had never been president in the 90s. I still think he'd be tanking in the neck, uh, even though he's he's charming and likable in his Arkansas accident. Mm. People always think he's, he's, you know. I think that anybody who came in after Bush, after this horrible thing that happened. Yeah. I was just going to say, the thing about Clinton is, as much as I love him and as great a president as I think he was, he is also, his, in his own way, a king of bullshit. He can do it. He can walk the walk. Mm. He can fake it. Uh, he can fool a crowd. He can razzle-dazzle right. him. You know, Obama, those aren't his – he's not that kind of guy. You know, he's much more honest, mm-hmm. and he doesn't have puppeteers running the show. You know, and, and anybody in PR can tell you if you don't have someone at the wheel, um, you know, creating the big show for the American public, mm-hmm. you know, you're going you're gonna to fail at it. And I'm sure Karl Rove is laughing right now because he saw this coming. You know, he knew Obama and the people that he hired weren't going to be able to pull off the tricks. And they, they thought, oh, the American people are just going to fall. You know, they're, they're going to love Obama anyway because he's an honest mm. president and he's trying to do the right thing. But no, that's not what people want. You know, they want the illusion. And he can't provide that. But Clinton could. You know, Clinton absolutely could. And Hillary might have been able to, although I think she'd be more in the mm. Obama situation than, than um, President Clinton would be. So but mm. what do I know? Mm. I know nothing about politics, mm. so... Well, that's pretty perceptive what you just said, I think. Oh, thank you. By the way, I bought a button down in uh, D.C., and it's the first re-elect to the president in 2012 button that I've seen. But um, I've got mm. it, and I, and I paid five bucks for it. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I want one of those. <laughs> but, but I've got one. I've actually got one. And that's that's great. The, you know. All right. Well, this is okay. a, another good one. We didn't uh, – I, what I love about it is that things are so um, uh, relaxed and fluid in speaking to you is that we can start a topic and we, we have this agenda of what we're going to talk about. And what happens is that we get into a, a topic that's interesting, which is I feel that Morning Glory is, and, and that becomes almost the whole thing. <laughs> you know, it was that plus box office. I mean, that was yeah. mainly the thing. So we well, we really, did a uh, we did a little on Best Picture, so we you know we did yeah, our duty yeah. as as Oscar poker players. All right, so let's uh, let's, let's let's sign uh, it we'll, off next weekend. Sign it off. We'll go. We'll get into uh, the Best Director contenders. Mm-hmm. We'll get into the Best Supporting Actor and Actress contenders. There'll be more than enough to to uh, to uh, to talk about next week and uh, I just wanted to say that it was great talking with you and that you've made me really look forward to seeing um, Morning Glory and I can't wait to uh, to dig in next week I hope they jump I hope they start showing it soon they should I mean I told them after I saw it uh, one final anecdote I was said to the you know between you guys not showing it very much there's no advance you know uh, screenings that I knew about and the marketing indicating that it's kind of a right down the middle thing uh, you had me convinced. I just want to tell you, you and the marketing people—they mm-hmm. had me convinced that that I was not probably not right to expect too much. So uh, I think right. that you should really start to show it. So yeah. right, good idea, good advice. Yeah. All right, have All right. a very nice right. evening, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. You Bye. Okay. Bye. You've been listening to Oscar Poker with Sasha Stone from Awards Daily and Jeff Wells from Hollywood Elsewhere. 
You can reach us on the web, hollywoodelsewhere.com, awardsdaily.com. If you'd like to send an email with questions or comments, you can send that to awardsdaily at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This is the end of everything. Take your love with you when you go. This is the end of happiness. This is the end of dreams. This is the end of everything. It's the What to do?